Hello, welcome back to Being Black with Camille Smith, and today we're welcoming Joshua Meekins. Joshua finds his passion in creating and sharing stories through all formats. He grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, and graduated from Villanova University in 2014. After graduation, he teamed up with his classmates to produce Old Head, the series, which was popular on YouTube, gaining over 2 million views. He made his acting debut in Beyond All, which was a Cannes Film Festival short film selection and assistant directed Love You Right, an R&B musical. Joshua plans to continue producing original content that not only engages viewers, but challenges their opinions, beliefs, and points of views. Um, Joshua, this is like super cool to talk to him because as many of you know, if you've kept up with my podcast or kept up with me on social media in general, um, back in October of 2020, I kind of stepped into like this creative space, like engineering, I feel like is very objective and very little creativity, at least as my professors would teach it to us. Um, so throughout that journey, I would kind of look to Josh to bounce ideas off of and just kind of pick his brain about like everything as it relates to creativity. Yeah. So to be able to talk to him today, I think will be really cool. But before we get to all that, Joshua, what does being black mean to you? That's a great question. I knew you were going to ask me the question. I still wasn't ready. Um, I think being, being Black to me means being limitless and uncontained. Um, the reason why I believe that is because I think, you know, as being Black, we can make magic out of nothing. So a lot of times when being a creator, you know, we're given the scraps of, I guess you could say the media world, of the entertainment world, and we've turned, you know, shoestring budgets into feature film movies, things like that. So like, I think Black people, even the whole TikTok thing going on right now, you know, Black creators, you know, start everything, but, you know, aren't necessarily given the shine that they're supposed to be given. So I think we are magic. I think we're limitless. And I think we can do everything being Black. I couldn't agree more. And do you have like a concrete memory of the first time you realized that you were Black or different from other people? Yeah. Um, I think the most vivid one is I think everybody goes to school and they realize that, you know, the people around you don't look like you. Um, especially if you go grow up in a predominantly white or go to a predominantly white school. Um, you're like one out of two, <laughs> so things like that. I think the first time I actually realized like, yeah, I'm different, but yeah. So talk about actually growing up in Trenton. Um, how was your experience being a black person there? And then of course you went to Villanova University, which I talk a lot about on this podcast. Yeah. Experience there as well. I heard you went there too, that's crazy. It's crazy, it's just small world. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say, so growing up in Trenton, Trenton, when I grew up in the city, was a melting pot of people, um, mostly Black, um, Hispanic, Dominican, um, Puerto Rican, and, you know, it was really cool to kind of be on the streets and be able to kind of experience that, you know, the, the part that I lived was mostly Black people, but it did have its pockets of, like, white people in kind of diverse areas, so it was different, you know, um, I think the biggest, you could say, culture shock is I went to public school in Ewing, so that was still majority black and then, you know, split with white as well. So when I went to high school, I think that was the biggest piece where it was like, I'm at basically a, a all white high school with like 10 of black kids who I know, which was prep school for me. So um, it was interesting. It, it was hard to try to, I mean, you eventually you learn how to code switch and really know the difference between the two communities, but it was different growing up in a place that was so diverse and having so much culture and going to a place where it was just one culture. So then that was, I'm assuming the same at Villanova. Cause at least when I yeah. started in 2016, 
I think my class had like 5% black people, which was like huge. Like the school was super hyped about it. I was hyped about it too, because I came from a predominantly white school, but. Yeah, but you didn't know what it used to be. Exactly, <laughs> to talk about how it was before. Yeah, so even before us, there weren't that many black kids, for real. Um, I think there were like 10 black male non-athletes in my grade. So there was like, it was a couple of us, you know what I'm saying? Um, I knew them all. We could all hang out. It was, it was, um, it was different. I will definitely say that, but it wasn't anything I wasn't used to. Um, I always say that Villanova was basically my high school on steroids, just add more people and add less black people. Really, <laughs> really what it was. Uh, but that prepared me very well to communicate with my peers about the community that was in and just prepared me to really be in that environment. So I was ready for it, but I felt bad for my friends who weren't. Mm -hmm. And then do you have any advice for your younger self? Yeah, I, I, I always say to my younger self that it's okay to be you. I feel like when you're going through all these different environments and different communities, you lose track of yourself trying to blend in and be, you know, fit in and, and have that experience. But you tend to not, you tend to forget that, you know, being you is what got you there. You know, being you is what's going to get you past there and into the future and to become what you're supposed to be. So you got to keep track of your originality and who you are. I like that. I feel like my freshman year of Villanova, I, like in high school, I was always like the smart one. And like, yeah. my not even necessarily like, but like my work ethic was really nice and I think it still is um but then I went to Villanova and like everyone was smart <laughs> so that yeah. was like a differentiator for me so there was like a mm -hmm. month that I was just like oh my gosh what's the point like everyone else is smart but then I realized like okay I got through the admissions process like they yeah. here too um so I think that's positive even not necessarily just for younger people for, but for people in general um but to pivot a little bit today we're gonna be talking about being black in media um, yeah. I feel like Joshua has like, I don't know. I feel like I put you on such a pedestal because you were kind of the first person that I knew that was like actually doing this and was a black person. Like, I feel like yeah. I could think of so many other people, whether they were white or like Latino or any other race, but I was like, I don't know any black people that are creative. <laughs> um, and of course, as you said earlier, like as a group, like we are a very creative bunch, but like personally, I didn't know anyone. So that when I met you, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to latch on to him. <laughs> so what actually got you into media in the first place? That's really crazy that you say that because I feel like, and this is a discussion I have with a couple of my media friends, it's like black people aren't exposed to creation of media of any sort, I think growing up. So like what got me originally exposed to it is when I was in high school, I took a film class that was like out of this world. It came really easy to me. I really latched onto it. But um, the instructor wasn't black. So for me to like talk about, you know, black films, he was like, well, think about this old school film or think about that. Or like, it just, it didn't have the same connection. So it kind of like lost my interest, but I always had that kind of love for film in the back of my mind. Um, I think also music too kind of played a role because I love music, R&B, hip hop, all types of genres, um, a little country here and there. But I think what really got me was just, you know, how, music made you feel and how visuals made you feel as well. So, um, you know, after I did my stint in that film class, I was told like, you know, growing up, you gotta be a doctor, a lawyer, you gotta be something that's gonna make crazy buku bucks in order to be successful in life, you know, for the generational wealth thing that we all talk about. But um, I started off Nova pre-med, which not many people know, and then decided that that wasn't for me. Um, 
again, you know, being true to yourself, I really did like the arts. I just didn't know what exactly to do. I knew I wanted to, you know, create things. I didn't know the pathway to get there because I didn't know anybody else in the media field, you know? So once I kind of got in some film classes, shout out to Hezekiah Lewis, who was a huge influence in my film career and my business partner's film career. We really just, I think it, that's when I started falling in love. I started writing my own stories. I started creating my own content. Um, I need to pick up a camera more because I don't do it enough, but picking up a camera um, and really just getting involved. You know, I think I always had like a niche, but it was always trying to figure out the confidence with it to really make it work. And um, yeah, I think I had some good people push me too. You know, I had a, my friends tell me I was good at it. My business partner tell me I was good in it. Shout out Tony Chanel. He really does push me a lot. Um, my acting teacher from high school <laughs> told me I was good at it. And he was like, um, yeah, he wanted me to be in a lot of plays and um, and uh, what do they call it? Musicals. But I was just like, um, I'm okay. <laughs> it wasn't for me. I was, <laughs> I was too busy being an athlete. But um, yeah, nah, I went back and he told me I was, I was good at it. So, you know, pursue with the things that you care about. And so I started doing that. Mm-hmm. So you didn't want to be Troy Bolton? You didn't want to do both? Nah, I didn't. I didn't want to be Troy Bolton. That wasn't for me. High School Musical was not, not, in, my, not in, my, in my forte. But I mean, um, it was cool because I always was like drawn to those things, but I never mm-hmm. knew how to exactly do that. He was, uh, he's, he, I took his film class. That was the first film class I took. And I think from the beginning, just the way he talked and his, his motives were, were inspirational for one. And then two, it just really showed me that you can do this. You know what I mean? Whether it's through independent films, whether it's through major motion pictures, um, I mean, back then, I'm trying to think, you know, before Ryan Coogler was on spot, you know, you really heard about up and coming black talent. So I would always watch, like, I watched Michael B. Jordan when he was younger. Um, I can't remember this guy's name. It's going to kill me. But um, I don't, I don't want to say it's Forrest Whitaker's son, but it might be. But, you know, people like that who was like, okay, I, I want to do what they do, but I don't necessarily want to do exactly what they're doing. You know, I want to be in that field of some form or fashion. So you know, seeing Hezzy do what he's doing and then just seeing more Black representation as I grew up was, you know, something I really liked. I think one of the things that I super latched on to as a kid was like Martin, Black sitcom. So like A Different World, uh, The Cosby Show, uh, The Fresh Prince, of course. So all that kind of stuff was like, why aren't more of these stories being told? Like, where's where's that kind of content, you know? I really wanted to see more of that. And it's interesting because the Fresh Prince just was put on Hulu. Either that or HBO Max. Yeah, exactly. And I started watching it again. And it's so like interesting because I watched it like so much when I was a kid, but like watching it, there were a lot of like life lessons that were intertwined into the show that like I just keep when I was a kid. Um, But they're like specific like life lessons, like for black people. Um, So yeah watched the one show um when Carlton and Will are driving up um Uncle Phil's friend's like car to I think it was like Beverly Hills or something like that and they get arrested yeah and like Will and Carlton are like fighting about this and Carlton genuinely doesn't believe that it was profiling and then very end he asked Uncle like Uncle Phil like oh like were they just doing their job and he just kind of was like no Um, yeah so I don't know. I feel like when I was a kid, I just didn't think about it too hard. Like I thought, of yeah. it, I looked at it more of like the funny side of it, but like, I don't know. I do think it's important to talk about those stories more. So you graduated 2014. Yeah. 
And then yeah. you started your, well, you started your career because you do still have a nine to five. If I'm Yeah, I do have a nine to five. So input on that creatives, okay. you can have a nine to five and do the creative stuff at the same time. It's time management. It sucks. Nobody likes it, but you can do it. You know, it's not like it's impossible. <laughs> um, so you have your nine to five, but then kind of how did you kickstart your media content creating journey? Right. Yeah, I will say that is all Tony Chenault's fault. Um, I was supposed to go out to California for a job out there and my job fell through like a week before I was supposed to go out, which was crazy. Um, so I ended up being back home and working for Apple in the meantime, shout out Apple for, you know, holding me down for a little bit of stint, but, um, Tony hits me up in my DMS on Instagram back when Instagram was like, not what it is now, back when it was just like, post a picture, somebody comment, but he was like, yo, call me. So I called him and he was like, I have this idea for this web series. And I think, you know, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to help me put it together. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm not doing anything else. So I, um, couch surfed for basically like a summer, some change. So people in Philly just let me stay on their couches <laughs> during the weeks while I was working out there. And uh, we shot Old um, season one. And that was an experience, to say the least. No money, no budget, no nothing. Just a lot of hard work, a lot of determined people. And we made a web series. And I feel like 2 million views is like a lot. Uh, yeah. To me, it's like initially start that way or like, was it like, no, time? okay. I'm, so from what I remember, we, we made the season, we put the episodes out like every other week, something like that. And um, the episodes only got like, you know, you put something on YouTube, it's the wild west out there. You get like four or five views, a hundred views. You're hyped to get a thousand. You're like, oh man, look, we did, we did a thousand. That's crazy. So I think we had like a thousand or something like that. And I was on my way to work one day and, um, so one of the guys hit me up in the chat or like texted me and was like yo have you looked at the old head page i was like no why like you put it up like a month ago there's nothing crazy should be happening he's like just just go look we had like sixty thousand, seventy thousand views and i was like this is this is interesting you know what i mean so, interesting that was yeah. <laughs> i didn't know what to do like my brain i was so like i'm still i'm like still fresh out of college so trying to figure out what i want to do you know mad at go to la but trying to figure out where I'm, what my purpose is right now and um, I was like, all right, this is cool. Like, I didn't like think about it more, mm -hmm. you know? And then whenever I get in one of those spots, I always give Tony his credit. Tony's like, called me back up. and was like, all right, Josh, like people love it. We need another season. Like, what are we going to do? So, we, you know, we made another season. But throughout that process, I think we did like 100,000 or more on the, the first couple, the first season itself. And then followed the second season, followed the third season, and then all together. Well, and what's crazy is that we did, two formats. So we did a movie format and we did a series format. Each format did a million on its own, which was crazy. So people really were like digging the content, which was amazing. So, you know, we have a, a fan base and we really just had some motivation behind this. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. Okay. How do you go about coming up with ideas? Because I feel like everyone's like content creating process can be very different. I'm still trying yeah. to get into mine um yeah. i'm still very much in the phase of like impulse creating so like i'll literally be like laying in bed and be like wow like this would be really cool if i made this and then like the next day or right then depending on what time it is like i'll like get up and just make it um yeah. other people i think are more like strategic about it and like plan out you know their content even like yeah 
there's like influencers, you know, they have like, I mean, any business, you know, Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, like they like yeah. reach out to brands and say, you know, oh, in Q4, I have this idea, you know, that would match the holidays. And like, I'm yeah. not there yet. Um, so those people have mad time on their hands. I listen, yeah. if I ain't got it at that week or that month at a time, it's not happening. <laughs> so you're true. Okay. Yeah, no. So I, I think for me, and I, I haven't found a way to bottle this like lightning in a bottle. I get all of my inspiration from being in motion. And what I mean by that is like, if I'm on a plane, if I'm on a train, if I'm driving somewhere, like literally being in motion, I get the craziest ideas. Um, usually I'm on my way to somewhere. So my, the notes app in my phone has like full outlines, full like music scores, full like movie concepts, like I think sitting down after that, because I feel like I'm constantly in motion, the moments when I'm still actually get a chance to write. So last summer, last summer, last summer, yep. Last summer was the first time I actually told myself, like, we were all locked inside for the pandemic. I was like, let me sit down and let me do one of my ideas, which is writing a script. I wrote the shitty first draft, as we call it, because it was short and not an entire film. But it was like 30, 40, 30, 40 pages of a, of a script, of an idea that I had. You know, I was really proud of it, super excited, super jazzed about it. I sent it to my mentor and she was like, well, this is just the first draft. There's <laughs> a lot more to do. Um, so like, you know, I, I, I was working on it for a little bit. I put it down just for temporarily, very much temporarily to work on some other projects that I have going on right now. But, um, you know, it's, I get inspired definitely through motion. And I think that when I get times of solitude to sit down for an hour, two hours, you know, max, I really do come up with some really dope stuff. So I just gotta, you know, slow slow down a little bit. <laughs> I think that that's very, like a that that's like a Sagittarius like trait. I think you get ideas in motion. I've never like heard it phrased that way, but I think I am very similar as well. Um, I think that's why I always am trying to travel somewhere, or I'm trying to do something, or plan something, um, because my mind is just more stimulated when I'm doing things like that. But then I take the time, just kind of sit down, which rarely happens, but you actually get to just sit down and like do, yeah. and you can of course like develop those ideas. Um, but can you give us a little bit of a preview of what projects you're doing now? Yeah, a preview, wow, okay. A preview of the projects we're doing now. So I'm working on 50 projects right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm working on a bunch of stuff. And it's, yeah, I'm working on a bunch of stuff. One, um, we have the podcast, which is Disruptors in the Culture. Um, we were finishing up the second season now. You could say seasons, but it's something that we just, that can, we can pick up and put down pretty quickly. But a lot of great content in there, great guests, um, a lot of good conversations, but primarily it's about, you know, artists and or disruptors, people in the culture, whether it's education, um, music, athletics, um, any type of form of field. But people who are really, you know, working on their craft, disrupting the culture, really much uh, making their own footprint in what they're doing. So we've had a lot of great people on there. Um, next, we have a script that Tony Chenault wrote called Dollar Party that we are trying to sell. Um, I basically set up like I helped write it as far as structure and, and checking over it. But then we did a, a, a table read that had like Andre Royo a part of it, Tori Hart. Um, some kind of famous names you could say who um, you know really did help out with the project so we're working on selling that now um, we have Old Head the movie which we are doing that's like breaking news not many people know about that 
So, you know, we're working on that now. We just finished up the script. We're trying to get some business things in order. And then we're going to pitch it to some people to see, you know, if we can get a budget to make it, um, which will be fantastic. Um, and then I have my script called Eden, which I'm working on. Um, it's just pending right now. I, I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist. I have the script like three-fourths of the way done. I have to, you know, go back over it for structure and story. But once that's done, you know, we're going to put that in pitch mode and see what bites. But um, yeah, we have a lot of things kind of moving, which is which is dope, which is really, really dope. I never haven't, I haven't talked about it out loud in a minute. You know, I can kind of work in silos with that. But yeah, we have, a, we have like four or five projects. Okay, proud of us. <laughs> and for listeners, talk a little about like what's pitching. Like what do you mean by like pitching? Yeah, so there's production has a process for people who don't know. It's pre-production, production, and post-production, you know. A lot of play, uh, a lot of films don't make it to production. So production is what everybody knows as like shooting, filming, you know, all that that entire process, the stuff you get to see like behind the scenes of uh, pre-production. There's a lot that goes into pre-production. You have to write the script. You have to once you have the script, you have to copyright the script. You have to own the script. Um, you then have to build a pitch deck. You know, get people interested in the script. If you're not doing independent, um, you then have to see if somebody wants to pick it up. You have to see if you can find distribution ahead of time. You know, plan out all the stuff that's going to happen later at, at, uh, first. So, you know, you do table reads, casting, um, you know, God willing, you get out of pre-production, you get to the fun part, production. You then shoot it, you know, all that kind of stuff. You then get to post-production, which is editing, um, adding a score to it, you know, putting music to it. Everybody always just wonders how music gets there. It's a hard process. It costs a lot of money, but, you know, you get the, the music that you want on there. Um, you know, you go through a, a, a screening then you know edits from the screening you usually come out with like two to three versions of the final product that you actually want um you can tour film festivals if you want to get you know people uh, opinion of how the film is actually going to be uh you can also find distribution then as well and then you know you get to the the final product which is what you see in theaters which is usually during distribution so it's a big process that i had to learn <laughs> um not i wouldn't say on my own but you i definitely you got to get aligned with the right people to teach you the right thing. So, mm -hmm. so very much a very long process. I just learned more about that because I'm <laughs> into film, but okay. I'm the only person that I know that's like really into film. So, yeah, that are interested in film and just content creating in general. Do you have like advice for them? Because I feel like for you, you didn't like have people. You did kind of have to learn it by yourself. Again, you found yeah. people, but now I feel like there's maybe a little bit more resources. Do you, so? Do you have? Yeah. I think the biggest piece of advice I would give to anybody who's trying to do this or content creator or whatever is to be a student of your craft and to study your craft. So like, if you want to write, you have to write every day. You have to read. You can't write if you don't read. If you want to, you know, read a script, how to write a script, read a, read a script, go online, look up PDFs for scripts, like really kind of be, um, you know, use your ingenuity because you got to kind of figure out that kind of stuff on your own. If you want to edit, start editing small pieces. Everybody has an iPhone. Shoot in your iPhone, edit on your iPhone. Um, iPhones really can do a lot for you. <laughs> um, but even with that being said, I would say, yeah, definitely just start doing what you want to do. The best way to do it is to learn. People start coming to you once you start learning, so. I will also tack on to that too. I had absolutely no, and I'm not, actually no, I think I'm a decent editor now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk, talk, talk. Guess <laughs> like, with like with like reels, like shorter videos, like transitions, yeah. stuff like that. I think I've gotten much better at that, but that was very much just 
doing it and like seeing what I like to look at um, because I don't think I'm a perfectionist, but I do think that I have a very high standard as to, okay, this is my work. And like, if you're, if you're okay with your work preceding you, like people yeah. like the video before actually meeting you in most cases. Um, yeah. So, but what you said, like I started like making reels and all this stuff. And then a lot of people that I didn't even, I weren't even, I wasn't even like friends with like, Oh, like, how are you doing that? What apps do you use? What do you See? X, Y, and Z. And I was like, uh, InShot, I was using Video Leap, but then they started to charge for the apps. And I was like, I'm not paying. <laughs> I ain't paying. I'm broke. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. Then I started my podcast. Oh, like what podcasting, you know, uh, platform you have to pay for all this stuff. Um, and I didn't, it took, it took, I had to take a step back because I was like, I would have never thought that people would have asked me about this because I feel that I'm very much still learning about all of it. Um, and I feel like I'll still feel that way. I'm still uncomfortable saying it, but like, I think, you know, I'm a content creator, you're a filmmaker, you're a billion things. So I'm a, a billion things. I'm, yeah, I'm like, a lot of things. I will say that. You're a filmmaker, you're a scriptwriter, you're a writer, producer. I, I can being an independent yeah, filmmaker, out. you do it all. <laughs> you're a producer, a script person. You you modeled at a point, I think you told me that. I was in short stint. I did that yeah, for a short stint. So like my whole thing is I wanted to do everything. So I knew what I liked and I didn't like. So I did the screenwriting, the producing, the modeling, the acting, the editing, the the, the music, all that stuff. All yeah. <laughs> I just counted 50 things right there. Um, yeah. but I really appreciate you talking to me today. Um of course. The audience, anything. You already talked about the disruptors of the culture. Do you have anything else that you want to pitch to us? Do I have anything I want to pitch to you guys? Um, no, I would say like, yeah, should definitely check out the podcast, Disruptors in the Culture, um, at Disruptors ITC on Instagram, YouTube us, Disruptors in the Culture, episodes of Fine There. We are on every podcasting streaming platform. Check us out. Shout out Amira Smith, my co-host. She's fantastic. Um, shout out the team. Shout out Drew King who films it. Um, check out Old Head. You know, if you really want to see what we're about and the work that we're doing, check out Old Head and look out for ways you can support us as we try to do this film. Um, the film really means a lot to the community. You know, it um, it puts a lot of people working who normally wouldn't have a chance to work in film. So we want to make sure we do that. People can follow me. Probably the best place is Instagram because that's probably the place where I'm most active. But it's at M-E-E-K-Z-2. Meeks2. M-E-E-K-Z-2. Um, yeah. Don't be weird in my DMs, please. Thank you. <laughs> Should you follow Camille too? I know you're on the page checking out Camille's work, but she's a content creator. Her page is curated. Her TikToks are great. You know, just shouting her out. You know, thank you for having me here. Uh, I'm gonna let you be the main character of this story today, even though I came I first. But you know, it's alright. It's alright. You um, got it. Uh, the yeah. platform, please subscribe, follow, like, leave a rating, all that good stuff. It warms my heart. Um, and because I do have a nine to five, but I'm also tapping into the creative side, it shows me that you're really interested in what I'm doing. Um, so it'll make me smile, but come back when I release another episode.